Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons. In today's episode, we will be workshopping a story written by Julianne. The story is called Dargan. It's really great, I hope you enjoy. We will, of course, do our intro, our workshop discussing our glows and grows of the story, and then we will finish with our favorite lines. So, without further ado, let's jump in. So Julianne, can you please tell us what story we are workshopping? Right, so my story is called Dargan. It's about two children who are growing up in a world where in the past there was this some event uh, where there was a war between humans and dragons. And it's kind of it's kind of in the distant past, so no one really knows. Everything that happened, it's kind of now, it's been told um, only by story, so no one alive actually has interacted with dragons in the human society. And so these two children are very curious as to uh, what exactly happened back in the past with this dragon war, and there's this one person in town who thinks that maybe it's not so clear-cut that the humans weren't the greatest and the dragons weren't just the enemies. So he has sort of been talking to them about um, how great and magnificent dragons are. So they end up going to the place where the dragons are being um, held in and with this, so the two children and the person who um, in, in the town that they live in. And they, so they go to the, place where the dragons are being held and they witness this sort of event that the dragons um have uh semi i don't know annually or something and <laughs> it's called the dragon dance and they think wow this is so cool looking magnificent and but at some point one of the children's sort of weapons dragon stick is what i call it um falls and from her hand and this emits uh, is kind of something to ward off dragons so it emits this horrible sound known for the dragons and so one dragon breaks off and stands in front of their party um and is unable to break through this barrier that has been put between these the humans and the dragons but um it tells them to leave and shoots fire uh at a tree behind them and then after uh, after this, they they go back home, um, and the person who thought that the dragons maybe were not so bad is kind of in, left in shock, but the children are sort of, they want to know more still. They think maybe it really isn't as clear-cut as we thought. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. That's an interesting interpretation at the end. I'm not sure what conclusion I came to, like how the kids came away from that encounter, We'll talk about that more in the workshop. I'm really curious, though. So, I mean, I feel like every I've loved every story, and I think that every story has been 
there's an interesting way to describe them. Like, I think Julie's was an adventure. Sammy's was fun. Um, Mel's was artistic. Caitlin's was poetic. Andy's had amazing world building. And yours, to me, feels like it's a question in a lot of ways. And maybe it's just that, like, I saw so much of what I studied in your story in terms of geography and, like, power differentials and how society is structured. And I'm just super curious why this particular story other than obviously we were all told write a story about dragons but why did you write this story about dragons yeah so i mean i guess when i started writing it i kind of just went and didn't really think about it at all or plan very much but i guess while i was writing it i kind of i what i wanted to do was something that didn't exactly have a clear answer, I guess. I wanted some, like, um, I actually kind of took from one of my classes at <laughs> college, um, which uh, was, it was um, about ancient magic um, and a bunch of, like, uh, it, yeah, it was called Ancient Magic, History of Ancient Magic and Witchcraft. And um, a lot of the things about, I guess, uh, magic is we don't really know exactly how the people thought about it and what exact uh, during the time and also I guess because I don't know it's just not we don't know exactly the attitudes of the people in history about anything unless we look at their writings but I mean we can't really tell exactly how they thought or felt like even especially the common person so I don't know I just kind of wanted to do something where there's some sort of historical thing that happened and it's just no one is exactly around to actually tell what the actual feelings of the time were I mean you can they could tell the events but maybe not exactly why they happened um, from both sides. And yeah, and I also wanted to do something where um, there was a conflict, but it was not clear cut who was the bad guy and who was, you know, the good guy. I didn't, I wanted there to be, I guess, question, um, like you said, yeah, question um, on, I guess, what exactly happened and why why things are the way they are right now yeah i think that just sums it up very brilliantly i thought i just thought it was super interesting and i have so many thoughts about it thank you yeah i'm excited to see what everyone has to say yeah i I am too okay so who wants to do their glow and a grow first yes this this story i did like it i did like it um, I mean, just the whole name of, of Dargon, which is the title, uh, Julianne, it, it made me laugh because when I saw that title, I went, okay, is this really going to be about dragons or is this going to be about like, it's almost dragons, but not quite. Um, and I was really intrigued by that, but then I actually started reading the story and I was like, no, it's also about dragons. This is even better. So my glow would be, I, I love the intro especially with the leaks. I, I I love that scene because it's so relatable. Yeah, there's kids, they don't want to, the kid, the pip doesn't want to eat the leaks. 
And so he tries to sneakily get rid of them. And his plan fails. And Clara eats her special dragon bread, even though Pip can't. And he, Pip is sad. Uh, I I just loved that because it instantly made me like Clara and Pip, and also Da as the long su- long suffering parent dealing with uh, I think his kids' machinations. So that was my that was my glow. I loved the introduction. It really got me invested in the characters. My grow would be the introduction of the background material on the War with the Dragons, which is on the bottom of page two and I think into page three. I, I, I liked how that immaterial was introduced. You know, we're learning about it along with Pip and Clara. It did feel a little... It, it wasn't very exciting, um, which I know introducing background material, it's hard to make that exciting. But it was very matter-of-fact, and it felt a little jarring to hear that tone, especially after, you know, the leaks going to the trash can. Yeah, I mean, part of me thought maybe it'd be fun to have Da tell the story, but in a way that you would tell a story for kids. So, you know, very expressive, um, lots of different voices. Or maybe that's just the way I tell stories to my D&D players. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, so, um, and I think Andy put something in the comments about, is this a short story or part of a larger work? And I, yeah, I'm curious about that too. Because if it's part of a larger work, then you have more space to incorporate it. Um, and if it's a shorter work, then yeah, it's going to have to be a bit more what to tell and how to tell. And that's also okay to not know. As you said in the chat, that is also very fair. I feel like I have blabbered enough for now. Because those were my clothes and my grows. And I will mute myself and continue to think about leaks. Julia's finished blabbering, so now I can blabber. So, uh, I have a, I, I have some agreement with Julie's in my grow slash grow and some disagreement here. So, the first part with the leaks and so forth was a very charming scene. It was a good scene, um, that, uh, it gave us character, strong characterization, as she said. I read this as a short story, so my critiques are for it as a short story. But if this is part of a larger work, then it would change. But short stories are a fundamentally different um, artwork, as we said last week, from larger stories. Uh, and they have to be very economical with their... This is eight, only eight pages long. And the title character is not introduced until page four. Like, he does not physically appear until page four and doesn't say or do anything until the bottom of page four. So, like, we have all this stuff, this this characterization and this long story and all of these things before we meet Dargon, which in a vacuum isn't necessarily bad, but it also comes with this, the action doesn't start, like it starts to drag a little bit, as Julie pointed out. So it's like, I don't think that the stuff in part one, while charming, is actually contributing strongly to the story. Um, And even if it is a part of a larger work, which it seems like you're thinking about that in the chat, I would say, because the story is called Dargon, my recommendation, and I we don't often make recommendations. We usually just say, "Here's um, here's a, 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 a but this came to me as like a very easy fix. Is like have Dargon tell the kids this story instead of Da. Like have them be walking to the place with Dargon because then you are characterizing Dargon um as an outlier to the town. You can have the kids playing foil by being in group members who are who are presenting the town's point of view. 
you're moving the story along because you're literally moving them towards their destination and you can give physical description of the streets and give us something of the town. Uh, so that is my, like, that is my grow and fix um, uh, 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 to that is, I, I'm not, uh, others can agree or disagree with me on this, but I think that is like a very easy, like, uh, gets us into the story and gets us in with the character faster. Because Dargon, I felt, was almost the weakest part of the story because we didn't get enough time with him to properly understand him or his motivations. Uh, even if it was intriguing, it was intriguing in a way that I didn't quite feel worked or that I understood. Uh, I have a like a, a thing that is not quite a grow or 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 a glow, which is that I think that this is in fact not a, a, a short story or a chapter from a book. This is just how I visualize it. Is this this is a um, an animated short because it is exceedingly visual with its storytelling and its um and it and it felt to me like uh, I have here this box DVD set for the Irish um uh, uh the Irish folklore trilogy which is a series of animated shorts. I don't know if anyone has watched these. Uh, it's a little bit niche. It's by Cartoon Saloons. Um, and it felt very much like one of theirs. And I like, if anyone out there is like an animator, I would actually be very interested because I think this could be like a very good kids kids animated short, like 15 to 20 minutes, maybe. Maybe not even that. Um, but like the bit with the dragons at the end, like that is such a visual bit of like, and that was also this sort of, the end, like this folds in. So this is how I'm, fitting this in and i'm not cheating for sure uh with my with my glow which is um that the sort of the sense of wonder inherent in this story is very excellently achieved and the uh like i think that i was like i think that and the reason that dargon worked at all for me is that like the town very clearly has a complicated relationship with the dragons because they have dragon loaf and they are still called dragon town even though they have a poor representation of what dragons are. They don't, like, the Da's story seems to tell dragons in the worst possible light, and yet at the same time, they're still eating dragon bread. You know, like, it's it's this interesting sort of, like, on the one hand, expressing wonder and ma and uh, describe and having Dargon, is, who sort of represents this, like, at once outlier um, opinion, but that is still, I think, part of the community in some sort of either subconscious or like or complicated way as being uh, as admiring them at the same time and that to me was a very interesting tension um and is well expressed through the story and i think that that could be like again that's why i think if we got into that a little more quickly um and i think that you do have to keep some of the stuff from the beginning where it's like like da's opinion still has to be uh present in the story uh like i said if dargon was telling them but you can do that via the kids who have grown up hearing these things from their elders uh, and reflecting it off in a sort of like uncritical way from Dargon. So I think that that can, and you can also develop the relationship with Dargon more. Uh, I have some notes on the ending, but that can be a after if we still have time thing. And now I am finished with my blabber. Thank you, Andy. Um, I want to go just because I have too many things, Julian, Andy, like I have things that I want to respond to um, or things that you've made me think about. First of all, so I'm reporting for me and my grandmother who was supposed to come to this workshop. My grandmother thought it was important to tell you, Julianne, that she's 81 years old. She's never read anything about dragons. And she was interested in this story the entire time. You never lost her attention. And she particularly liked the description of the dragons, especially like 
um there's one part where you talk about like there being fur under the scales and she was just like completely blown away by that and she really enjoyed it i think her only the only grow that she had um which is also my grow is that the ending felt like it wasn't quite ended and we just both wanted more we really didn't have much more than that for our grows um but anyway to get to my glow though this is kind of just in general i mean i really love the story and i think it's really reminiscent of long island new york and i connected your story to to essentially what i wrote about in my undergrad thesis you know, Julie brought up this idea of the story, the story being kind of like matter of fact that the dad tells. Um, and I think that's exactly right. And it's interesting seeing him tell this story as if it were a matter of fact. And I think it's kind of clear as the story goes on, like, these people have no idea what these dragons are about. You know, the stories that we tell ourselves, and again, connecting it to my thesis about New York, my thesis was about colonialism, the stories that we tell about the people who are here usually are wrong. Um, or there's some nuance that we don't usually add. So I think that was an important and like really great part of your story. And I think Dargan's presence in it was also really interesting. And I agree with Andy that I feel like maybe he could have been incorporated a little bit more. I think Andy's idea about that was really good and, and making sure that you still get like the dad's perspective. Um, but the thing that I also liked about Dargan is that he seems to be coming from this really good place of he wants to share people um share with people what dragons are like and he wants to be like this force for social justice and I think he's just so reminiscent of people who want to be allies but don't want to put in the work to be good allies you know, and there's even this sense, I don't know if this is explicit in the text, but like, I imagine him as having changed his name to be Dargan, to be similar to dragons. And it just like reminded me of, you know, people who will take on, um, you know, names from other cultures and like pretend they're kind of part of that group. Um, I have a big issue of people taking on like Greek names, although we're not, it's not as important for us. Um, but I'm also reading a book and there's people taking on like, you know, other names from other cultures. So I think there's something troubling about that. But I think, so not troubling in your story. I think your story does a wonderful job of showing these troubling things and what it means to not be a great ally and what it means to have these stories that are wrong that we don't question and to have these people who we don't talk to. And I just, I really love what your story does with that and the ways that it shows us how we can be more compassionate and question things a little bit more. So yeah, I just, I love this story. I loved connecting it to my research and um, thank you for, for sharing it. And thank you for, again, like my grandma loved it. So thank you for, um, for writing this wonderful story. That actually made me think a lot about what my critiques of the story was, because I guess I'll do my grow. Um, first, but my critique was that the characters were hard to pin down as there weren't many like strong descriptions or moments that made them stand out. Obviously like the leak scene was an excellent way of establishing character between and the differences between the children but sometimes the children like 
acted exactly the same and it was hard to like differentiate personalities or find reason in what they did so in the end I kind of got a sense that the brother was the mischievous one and the sister was the rule following one because of like the dragon stick is it called a dragon stick the dragon stick and the leaks like those moments like showed who the children were but then I was like is that just me thinking that that's how they are because that's how most boys and girls are seen through media um and then the adults just seem to be tall men <laughs> and uh, but the way that Peter was describing that was really interesting to me because I didn't pick up on this whole oh he wants to like be a dragon that's not exactly the point <laughs> that they were making but you know they kind of want to like ingratiate themselves into this culture that is unfamiliar to them and be absorbed by the land's history but the land's history is like more violent and not as dreamlike as you would think it is which is a really interesting metaphor for colonialism and um the only example i can think of is a really stupid one and it's not going to compare to the thesis but basically i've been watching a lot of doctor who videos um and there's this episode um in matt smith's era where he is like best buddies with churchill and the guy doing the video essay was like this would never happen because even at churchill's best which is pretty low he was like a real controversial guy for like being warmongering and that stands against the doctor's central pillars of his characters what is going on in this episode so like i feel like people's views of history and like being warped by like terrible school education is like a really interesting way of like taking this story but just on initial reading i didn't really catch any of that because i was just like why are they going into the forest with this creepy guy and i've watched some documentaries recently and i did not get very good vibes and i was like do we know what happens when men go into the forest with children bad thing bad things happen but then nothing was made of that it just sort of like was okay that they snuck out and went to the forest with a strange man that like i didn't feel like i could trust because it was literally just the children being like he's cool and them also being like, but it's a secret, don't tell Da, because he'll get mad. And me going, oh no, what's going on here? But it was fine. So that kind of made me feel like there wasn't really like a moral to the story. Because when I searched for one, it was sort of like, don't be careless, but also careful at the same time. Because the only reason that something bad happens, technically, is the fact that the sister was all like, I have to bring this in case of emergencies and then I'm going to forget about it and drop it and that will cause an emergency. Um, but also, like, don't go into the forest with strange men. That could also be a message. But I was like, I don't think that there's like a strong message. And the reason why I was searching for the message is because children are so central to the story and it feels like it's for children. But it's also just like a really beautiful story. So I felt like the message and like the age group were kind of nebulous in in a way but yeah like for a glow it was like beautifully written like i could really picture 
the dragons and I loved the description of them kind of like snakes and I was like oh this is this is real cool um like you don't really picture like dragons interacting like just the jumble of snakes but that was like a really intriguing way and obviously like the fur underneath the scales was really interesting um and like a different way of doing things so just like the descriptions and also the world so um to like round up my point about everything being a bit nebulous it felt less like a story about individual characters and more like just a look at a world because I feel like the world was more developed than the characters necessarily because I just found it hard to connect to them but I'm sure other people really connected to the characters and then that enhanced their like experience of this really cool world like the I can still think about and picture the doors that are the size of dragons because that is such a cool element and like it ties so well with the way that the dad describes like how things used to be but then like the idea that all of these buildings are like the really old ones so like maybe they're not safe and there's like a metaphor in there somewhere yeah it was just like really well done but then looking back on it it was kind of hard to grasp in places thank you mel I want to comment on that, but it's not my turn. Sam or Izzy? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll talk. For, so for my uh, glow, I actually really liked the world building. I liked how you had this, uh, what was it? I don't know if it's dragon bread or dragon loaf that was like, had this kind of scaly texture and it was like, it, it was as if it were made from dragons, but it wasn't really. I liked how they ate leeks. I actually Googled and I was like, do cultures actually eat leeks as like a staple food? And apparently they do. For some reason, that went over my head. Um, I also like the idea that these dragons are not threatening the humans just because they're big and scary and might burn everything down. But for some reason, they had like this really economic and political reason. Like they were driving us out of business so we couldn't coexist with them. I thought that was both really funny and also really fresh on this take of like uh, dragons uh, threatening humanity. I also liked to be like the whole dragon stick thing where you could like shake the dragons to yes the dragons are coming for our jobs as andy says but i like the dragon sticks that you can shake that's almost kind of like uh, some kind of like whistle or something that will give the dragons a lot of pain and i don't know if liked is the right word but i was intrigued by if it's like almost like a le magic electric fence that you kept the dragons behind i thought that was a really interesting concept so the world i just want to know more about this world and the world itself feels very logically uh structured fleshed out and easy to kind of uh remember and kind of uh think about and theory craft about right so in terms of my uh grow it's really just uh thinking about how if you said you want to make it might make it a larger work i'm just trying to think about how this might fit into the structure of a broader uh story i think you already sort of have a structure you can extend on right like oh you have these kids uh you have da who's very like anti-dragon and then you have dargon who i guess is like pro-dragon and, and then you have um these two you have the two kids and then they go on an adventure with dargon to meet the dragons they go back to da and 
this family household and they kind of like uh, uh, decompress and then they go on another adventure with Dargon and meet more dragons and whatever can happen. And that's definitely a structure you could use, but I guess if you put it into a larger story, my biggest concern is that I don't know if you can carry it through uh, without exploring deeper into the motives of like Pip and Clara and what trajectory they're on. Like the reason I feel like Pip and Clara feel kind of similar in my mind, even though you establish them as different characters with the leaks and like the, I think Clara gets the dragon stick because she's cautious is that I feel like uh, even though they have different personalities or motive is the same, and their motive is mostly just like, we're curious about the world, so we're going to go out and see Dargon. And that's fine for this short story, but if you keep on, uh, if you keep make this story longer and their motives stay the same, I almost feel like you just kind of have one character with two voices, even if they have different personalities. And it's not like they need to change. Like, you can have this very, like, Watson Holmes things where it's like, oh, Dargon is actually... The real main character and this, uh, these children are actually just a framing device to uh, figure out what Dargon is doing. But even then, it gets kind of awkward if you move these two characters around with them without differentiating them. So that's my that's my thoughts on if you make it a larger story. I think it's a short story. It works well. It reminds me though of these like kind of horror stories, oddly, where you like something happens to the main character and you're like, oh, that was an interesting thing. And then they go back home and then it's like, oh, that, that was an interesting thing to happen. I don't know how well or not well it works for fantasy, but it worked well for me. And that's my impression of the short story you have right now. Oh, geez, how to follow all that up. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed your story, Julianne. And especially, I just love really visual stories. And the best part of it was definitely all your wonderful descriptions of the dragons and I also love world building, so I did not find the dad's little, you know, world building short story, uh, bedtime story for the kids boring, but I also love that kind of stuff. And I also think that it would be fine, potentially, if he did tell the story, because it's sort of commonplace for him to tell the ch children, like, passing down our town's history in the way that he sees it and knows it. But I do think a more of an explicit foil could be presented with Dargon because it's implied that he has different views on dragons, but it's not stated explicitly enough. And I think partly that's just threading the needle of ambiguity with the ending that you had, where I strongly got the sense that you didn't want to say tell people what message to get from it, or even necessarily that there is a specific message that you're supposed to get from the story. But I do think there are certain elements of the plot that can like make educated guesses a little bit easier if they were more fleshed out, like Dargon's character and his like relationship with the dragons. I did not see any kind of creepy element with them going into the woods together with Dargon, but I also um, imagined him as sort of a teenager, so the age gap isn't so severe um, as him being like fully adult. And it would also explain why he lacks perspective that their father would have, because he wasn't alive or he might have been a small child when all this war was going on. And so he wouldn't have necessarily the like bitterness or strong negative feelings that the older generations would have. But I also liked the sort of war aspect to it with the whole like showing I mean, we get the story from the human perspective of how the dragons were awful, but 
it was also interesting that their dad didn't just lie and say, yeah, the dragons were always awful, or he mentions how they coexisted for a long time before it went bad and everything went sour. And he does say that it wasn't just the dragons trying to take our jobs, there were lots of reasons, which he doesn't elaborate on, which is understandable because they're small children and it's just a bedtime story for them, really. But that sort of sense of sort of wrong might have been on both sides, with the humans doing something that's not explained, which I think could be elaborated on by Dargon, or, you know, sort of naively elaborated by Dargon, where he's like, the man is lying to us, but I don't quite know how. <laughs> but especially from a teenage character, it would read, you know, sort of like rebellion of his generation, but also rebellion against possible real wrongs that humans might have done that he isn't, you know, informed enough about, or doesn't have the, like, lived experience that the older generations have of, like, what bitterness and horrible things probably happened during the war that, you know, make them feel, you know, some have some genuine beef with the dragons, because I'm sure the dragons didn't do nothing to humans when they were at war. Although I do think the power dynamic, well, it's just occurring to me now when Sam was talking about how you mainly for, like put to the forefront economic and political reasons, mostly economic reasons for the dragons to be going to war with the humans, or I mean, for the humans to take umbrage with the dragons, like taking over the means of production, basically. And dragons are just more powerful than humans in lots of ways, like physically and fire breathing. So I think that could be addressed a little bit because it, having it only be, you know, they took our means of production and like forced us into a state of slavery, which is basically what is described, sounds extreme, but it also makes me wonder why didn't this happen earlier? Because dragons could easily overpower humans. Even a smaller number of dragons relative to humans could have done it. So I think either the narrative that their father tells could be more noticeably negative towards dragons to sort of gloss over the coexistence was fine because dragons were genuinely wanting to coexist until we humans did something that the father doesn't want to say. So that could be kind of foreshadowed. Or it could be that dragons were always sort of, you know, rocky with their coexistence with humans and it just kind of got worse to a point where it broke down completely. I just loved all of the descriptions and especially like the door I, with the, this building is old so we still have dragon sized doors and I wish, I mean, it was a short story so not much happened or not much space is there for that but I just love those kinds of details of like how the past is still present. Just fantastic. I love that. And the like the technology slash magic that the humans have with the fence and things really intriguing and like it makes me wonder did they develop that hand in hand with the dragons before they went to war or was this a product of the war and like the dragon stick i don't know but yeah great story julianne i really loved the world building this story i think the whole thing with like the dragon stick and the use of the scales was really interesting and I thought it was really interesting how the story was told through Pip's perspective, but the main character was really Dargan, I think. And I thought that was a fun viewpoint to take. I would say that for my grow, I think that 
Dargan could have been developed a little more as a character. He, he, in my mind, is the main character, and he goes through this huge change. He's the biggest character arc in the story. He goes from this very curious, boisterous uh, person that Pip and Clara really look up to, to someone who's very sullen, and I think that change would have more impact if we knew him better. Um, he is this sort of mysterious figure, and he is supposed to be this sort of mysterious figure, but that could also... You could you, you still develop that and add that in as part of the character building and not get rid of that. I think that was great, but it, we really got to know Pip and Clara the most, but the tone of voice was also really fun, and it definitely was a story with thematic impact. So we'll open it up to responses, and I kind of... I'm, I'm going to go first, because I kind of want to respond to some stuff that Mel, Sam, and Izzy said. I mean, I almost think, like, the the lack of developed characters in some way, it just didn't bother me. Because, again, I think I just think of this as more of a story about this world. So I didn't really mind that. I thought that, like, the kids were fine and, you know, served their purpose. And everything else, it just, like, felt so real to me. And, like, Izzy mentioned, maybe you can make the story that the dad tells like a little bit more drastic but I really don't think you need to because again it just I can relate it to like so many things that you just like hear in everyday life you know people are scared of other groups coming in like oh they're gonna take our jobs we've been laughing about that but like that's a real thing that people say and use in order to like demonize and keep others away from power and it's also just reminding me too, like the, you know, the dad says, oh, everything was fine in the beginning. And it's reminding me of just like, you know, the people in my life who are like, yeah, we were okay with like eight people when they were quiet. But like now that they're asking for rights, like we're having, you know, now, now things are bad and it's frustrating us. So, I mean, you can obviously further develop this. I did limit you to 10 pages. <laughs> um and if you did turn this into a longer story, I think developing the characters would be a really great idea and just building on everything that you've done. But I just, yeah, I just really love how grounded it is in everything that we kind of see today. And the other thing that I just, um, this isn't a response, but I meant to bring it up when I said this reminded me of Long Island, New York, just the name of Dragon Town and the Dragon Loafs again goes to the idea of like on Long Island, we have so many just indige indigenous names of places, you know, Matinecock, um, Montauk, like it's, it's all there. Like we name everything after the people who are here and yet the stories don't reflect that. And the way that we treat the people doesn't reflect that either. So I feel like there was other things I wanted to respond to, but there's just too much and I'm forgetting it. Uh, I'll go. Uh, so... There are a couple, a couple other things which are relatively smaller in size, but which I felt were still worth mentioning in this forum. So there's a bit on page, uh, two, I guess, or is this, no, this is page three. My page number is not updated. Um, a bit on page three where the dad is saying something along the lines of the dragon is only ever looking out for himself. If he thinks he can rise to power by using you, he will. And if he manages to corner you, you're through. And to me, like, again, this is just, like, a storytelling thing, is, like, it's realistically, like, 
you know, dial uh, every declarative statement like that isn't like answered by the end of the story. But to me, like if you're going to make that kind of like that kind of outright statement about dragons or whatever over the course of the story, you should answer is the dad full of crap or is the dad like right about that by the end of the story or third option like create an ambiguous kind of like, well, I don't know, was he right? Like or just further address it later in the story. Because that, to me, felt like, okay, I, the first time I was reading it through, because I read through the stories twice, is like, the I'm like, okay, this is a hook for later, we're going to come back to this. And it felt like it was left dangling. And that's not, that's a that's a relatively smaller thing. But again, I think there was another comment like that that he made. And it's like, oh, okay, there's like a, there's a, that's just a, that's just a rhyming and storytelling thing. So I would either get back to that, cut it, or change it to something that feels less like a, you're going to introduce something later. The other thing which has to do, I guess, with the ending, uh, which is, like, I would give Dargon and the dragon some dialogue or extend that ending scene a little bit. Because, like, again, have him be like, ask the dragon a question and have this the dragon be like, screw off, kid, or something. Like, some, like, further interaction than Dargon just staring at this guy. Um... Because again, I feel, and I think that would help Dargan's characterization to Mel's point a lot. Like, what? It, why is he frozen and standing still? We, we, the, the the POV for this, at least I, as I understand it, um, is third shifting paragraph to paragraph between the two kids. Um, I don't. I, I, you might interpret that as an omniscient narrator, but if it is, we never get into Dargon's head, and we never get into the dragon's head. Um, so it's like omniscient, but like weirdly limited to the kids at the same time. So I'm, I, I'm into, I, I'm interpreting it as as they're limited to the, but shifting between the kids. So there's like a, a, and I think that that would be my other thing is like just like extending that end scene just a little bit more. I think people have talked about that, but like that the the some dialogue between Dargon and the dragon. I think would would go a long ways both for his character and for the story as well to sort of wrap it and tie it all together. So those were my two other things of of medium sized note that weren't that didn't make it into my, my my first ramble. I just want to respond to one thing that Andy said about the dragon being cornered. I thought it was implied, or for for me, I thought it's implied that like the dragon, like oh, could have killed them or whatever, but they let them go. So that was my interpretation of on that point, although I agree it could be more directly addressed, but I think it's fine for now. Not what you, uh, Andy, do you want to clarify it with that then? Sure. I mean, the, like, literally, I, I wasn't trying to imply the dragon was cornered. I was trying to say, like, when, when Dargon, again, very, we dropped the R, was like, was like just sort of staring at the dragon as it was bearing down on him. And the, and the dragon was like, yo, get out of here. Um, and Dargon is just sort of staring there. Like, that's, I, I, I didn't mean to imply that the dragon was in some way cornered in that situation. Oh, no, just I, w- that, I was like, just clarifying something else. I was just talking about when the Da is saying, like, oh, if a dragon corners you, you were through. And I thought that because the dragon was going to launch, like, some flames at Dargon, but it didn't actually kill Dargon, it reveals that, like, what Da is saying is somewhat of an exaggeration. So that was my interpretation on that point. I agree with the l- later point. That you said that you could potentially have more dialogue there, or you could not. I I think it's a little bit borderline, but I see I see you you could interpret it that way. I don't I don't necessarily agree, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm just providing this other perspective. And the other thing I just wanted to mention with with, with the 
Just how suspicious Dargon is at the start, there's just a line where he says, Hey there kitties, you ready for your entire world to change? I just found that line so, so suspicious. But I actually am going to say, just keep, honestly, keep it in. Like, I'm, part of the reason, like, I just kept reading the story after that because I'm like, oh god, I hope this isn't going anywhere like that. And then when it doesn't go anywhere like that, I'm relieved. So I think it actually does add stuff to the story as horrible, horrible as, as it kind of is. And then that's my, though that's only two pieces I wanted to say. Not to bring it back to that mess, but um, so what Peter was saying about, like, sometimes, not to say neglect characters, but sometimes a story is intriguing because of the world. There's this um, Neil Gaiman short story called A Lunar Labyrinth, which is just this conversation between these two characters um, in first person as this character is just, like, climbing a hill with this, like, guide, and um, he's telling him about the history of the land and what's happened here. And, like, even though you don't really get a sense to, like, specific characters, because the world is the subject of the story, which helps with the title and such, like, that can be a short story, and a short story has, like, so many different forms. Um, and it's really good to just, like, read a whole variety to, like, see different things you can focus on because I think that it does need to focus on like kind of having that like it's really nice to have that like kind of ah this is children being children let's like understand who these children are that kind of detracts from this like whole like really well thought out incredibly detailed like world building because yeah I mean maybe that's why I thought that like maybe it didn't have like a focus or anything because like it was sort of trying to juggle both and it's like a short story and I do really love the idea of this being the prologue of something and then like suddenly the kids are older because that fits into like a lot of fantasy tropes of like oh this is the start and then like obviously everything changes and I went back to read it and um while we were all discussing because I was like I'm pretty sure that I noted that basically the only description this character has is lanky like they're described as lanky like three times and I was like I'm pretty sure that I was just going like huh I wonder if this is supposed to be like an old wizard with a long beard <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how am I supposed to know um but then I was like you know what men are creepy <laughs> I don't trust this man and that was sort of my thought process I never considered it could be a teenager my brain went straight to like 130 year old to like creepy 30 year old that was it <laughs> That was the only thing my brain did. Um, but, yeah, like, it's really interesting that we all have all of these different perspectives of the story and, like, all the other points I, like, had to say, which was... What was my point? Which was, like, I didn't understand why he was called Dargon, but, like, the idea that he changed his name to be close to Dragon because he wants to, like, be close to the dragons in kind of a creepy way is really interesting. And then I was, like, I'm not sure about the expedition about the bedtime story because I was just, like... When I was reading it, I was just, like, oh... This is the exposition section, but told as a children's story with words that children would not understand. Um, but I feel like everyone already covered that, like giving that to Dagon and just giving like kind of everybody a bit more agency of like that being what they learn while on like 
the path to the dragons and being like, oh, maybe this is a mistake. Maybe we should go back. Maybe we shouldn't go back. Like, that would add more intrigue. And I do really think that the dialogue in between the kids and Dargon is really, like, special. Like, I was just reading it through, and the bit where Pip says, say, Dargon, just really made me laugh. Because I was like, what an interesting child. And, yeah, I feel like... It's really good. It's a really good story, and we all touched upon all of the different like aspects that we all like. I feel like we kind of helped it grow as a story, even though like it hasn't changed. We like gave each other different perspectives on like all of the different elements and like the world, and yeah, it's great. I mean, directly commenting on that literally in the text um you have this line that i li- oh i just had it yeah how can anyone say what a dragon is truly like without talking to one himself and like mel said through discussing this i think your story becomes so much more interesting because we talked to each other and it's important so uh, yeah i just want to second what mel said about that yeah i just want to kind of agree with mel at first, I thought he was going to be really old um, because of the first line that he says where he's like, you ready for your world to change? And that just seems like, you know, eccentric old hermit in the woods coming to see the children, more grandfatherly figure. But then as they were talking more, I was like, no, this guy does not have the knowledge that an older person would have. So that's why in my head, he's not explicitly, his age is never stated. But that's why I chose to age him down because he didn't have the knowledge that an older adult would have. I actually, I'm going to contribute to the Dargon age conversation. Yeah, I I think it's okay that we have different perceptions of how, what kind of age he has. Uh, There's a character in one of my D&D campaigns whose name is Cass, and he is an elderly man, but we don't know his exact age. Not even the player who plays him. So I think it's okay if we don't know Dargon's age. I will say, I think this is page four, possibly five, Pip and Clara recall words that Dargon was described with by Da. Ooh, that was a horrible passive voice. The words that Da described Dargon, he's young, thinks he can change the world. So that, like, I wasn't thinking of him as, you know, like Dumbledore or Fred and George Weasley with beards. Um, the t- I'm, I'm just saying the text does have that detail. But again, like, how young is he? I don't know. The other thing I'll say, and again, these are both small things, but the fire that had missed is the last line of the story. And it made me wonder if the kids at least were interpreting the dragon's actions as ambiguous and not completely destructive. I agree with Andy and also uh, Sam that I would love to see the story play with Da's statement about how dragons will just use you. And then maybe during the encounter with the dragon, that statement gets either challenged or confirmed or made more ambiguous. But those are my two cents for the the age and the fire. Just a small thing about that fire, the fire that missed. I think just phrasing that last, like, the children are noticing that fire, but um, the way that it's phrased doesn't make it seem like they're necessarily aware that the dragon could have chosen to miss because they're like, wow, what a lucky break it missed when it was trying to kill us. But I think 
providing a little bit more awareness of did it miss or did it choose to miss, I think, would add like that extra little layer. Because the way I read it was like, I can see where the ambiguity could come in, but it wasn't phrased to be quite like that. Okay, let's do favorite lines before I rant about Dargan's name. I have mine ready, I can go first. Shockingly, my favorite line is not about leaks. <laughs> Although, I think- <laughs> I think I just broke Peter! <laughs> Success! Um... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, that was my certainly my favorite scene. But I think I think my favorite line was actually the at the la- on the last page and it's kind of sad, but it's just really well crafted and playing with words. It's describing Dargon as he leaves as he's, you know, slinking off. Pip and Clara watched the outspoken, soon to be seldom spoken town member disappear among the fading shadows. And Julianne, I just love the way that you take outspoken and then you change it to seldom spoken. And that really tells us a bit about the fate of Dargon after this interaction. And I I really enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed the leaks. I didn't break Peter again. Dang it. That was my favorite line. Um, My favorite was dragonfly bodies moved so quickly across the ground that it was hard to make out their distinct features because again it reminded me of just snakes slithering over each other I thought it was really easy to picture and I just I love some description um it's great uh so I have uh from page seven uh, a ripple washed over the entire herd of dragons and the dance came to a stilted halt a dark blue streak separated from the sea of colors and started galloping towards the children and Dargan. I can go because my line that I chose is right after. It's the same bit with uh, after the children covers, uh, child covers her eyes, Clara is kind of cowering. Um, the dragon is right a- before them. The figure towered over the humans and gazed upon them from the side with a large eye whose iris seemed to contain all the colors at once. I just love some colorful description, and its scales are described as midnight blue scales, which I just love that. And I'm a very visual, descriptive reader, so I always look out for that stuff. Um, I just really like the... uh... The line where it says, Always remember what Granda taught me. A dragon is only ever looking out for himself. If he thinks he can rise in power by using you, he will. And if he managed to corner you, you are through. I feel like just by adding that one line, it adds so much extra tension to the story. Because then when you're reading the story, you're always kind of thinking, Oh, is Da lying? Or are these dragons, these really manipulative evil people? Is Da passing down some kind of terrible tradition of dragon hatred that's completely unfounded? And I think it just really adds a a whole nother layer to the story just with that piece of dialogue there. Okay, so first I want to share my grandma's favorite line, which was, Now up close, the children could see that beneath the scales on its eel-like body was blue fur peeking out, and its feet ended in long alabaster claws. Again, she was just fascinated by the description of the dragon's... um, having never really been interested in dragons before. And then 
Yeah, my favorite line is the one that I said before. How can anyone say what a dragon is truly like without talking to one himself? Um, that's what Dargan said. And while I think Dargan is a little questionable, I just love this line. And, you know, it's so important in this world where we do have all these different imbalances and humans are so capable of doing some bad things to one another. Talking to each other is is really helpful. And I love the people in my life who... You know, not calling anyone out, but I have many people close to me who have very different opinions and, and beliefs than I do. And your story, which is this, you know, very political story, I think is just reminding me through this line, like, gotta talk to people and assume the best and just chat. So, Julianne, you're allowed to speak now and respond to, to whatever you want to respond to. Sure. Okay. So, well, thank you guys so much. That was, this was so interesting. You, you made such interesting points. I, I, I was not expecting all of these at all. I took so many notes. It's, it's great. Uh, let's see. The Long Island thing. I was not thinking about that at all, but now that you bring that up, it definitely is like that. So I don't know. Maybe it was just like, uh, I don't know, unconscious doing that since I grew up here. That's probably true. Um, let's see. Uh, the Dar uh, Dargon being the, the Dargon age thing. So I was picturing him as um, like an older teenager. Um, but I guess I did not <laughs> put that in. So thank you. <laughs> That's um, a good thing to clarify. And yeah, I did. I wasn't thinking about him being creepy at all. I, I mean, now, now that you mentioned that, I see, yeah, mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I'll have to figure something out with that. Um, the line, uh, Andy mentioned, and then people also said with the, um, the cornering you're through thing, I was actually, I was really struggling with that actually, because I sort of went into this story without planning anything so i started writing and then um i read it back and then i read that line and i was like that that sort of foreshadows something that doesn't exactly happen um so yeah i just just i kind of wasn't sure what to do with that at that point because i thought maybe it's enough but this was helpful because yeah because you guys um or i don't know it, some of you thought it wasn't enough um, but I think, yeah, I think you're definitely right that it wasn't enough. And I think I should figure something sort of more out. And I think that idea with the scene extending longer might um, help me do that. Um, yeah, uh, let's see what else happened. Um, thank you guys so much for reading this um, and all of your comments. They were so, I, I yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you got this, all this out of my story. Um, yeah, thank you. That's, yeah, that's all I have. Before we end, I really quickly wanted to shout out a book. I apologize for my voice. I'm a little sick, but this book is written by an author, Bob Gonzalez. The book is called A Flicker in the Water Inside the Tales. So usually we stick to fantasy, but when I've been shouting out books, there's a few that I just can't help shouting out because they look so amazing and they sound so great. So Bob is a fisherman who has fished in New York. Now he's in Florida, but the connection to fishing in New York is why I wanted to shout out this book. I'm not a fisher person, but I've gone 
fishing and I've helped steer the boat for my dad when he's gone fishing. So I just enjoy being out on the water. So I really just wanted to shout out this book. And the description is very poetic. It's in poetry form, which I also think is super cool. So I'm going to read the poetic blurb here. And I, I hope you enjoy it because it's, it's really cool. An ocean water's shimmery flicker is not only good for the soul, but also the good heart's ticker. Through a rough or a calm sea, the ebb and flow of every wave reaching every boat's bow unlocks the mysteries of the heart's key. Even if the sea is not necessarily your cup of tea, it sure as heck inspires not only the fisherman, but also the poet in me. Fishermen and sailors, new and old, enjoy a sip of their iced tea, brewed cold. Lovers of the sea are often found deep in the ocean, out of sight, sometimes in the dark of night, where only the moon and stars provide any shining light, luckily and happily keeping their hands on the line with a fish held tight. How can you not love that? Thank you to Bob for reaching out. I'm really excited to share your book with everyone. Please, please, please go and find this book. You can find it apparently wherever books are sold. And I mean, how can you not get a book about poetry and fishing? It just seems so, so great. And uh, if my dad were more interested in poetry, this might be a good gift for him. But I'll find someone that this is going to someone somehow. So I will also put a link to his website in the description of the podcast episode. And you can find social media and other things there. His website's really well put together, so check it out. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope that you enjoyed. You can find Determination, Deliberation, and Dragons on Patreon, where we have exclusive content right on that website. We also have a Twitter and an Instagram, so you can follow us there as well. And that's it. So <laughs> let's end it there. Everyone have a great day, and remember, don't let the day drag on, or dargan, I should say. Definitely don't let the day dargan. Go for it, Julie. Andy, go first, unless... Okay, I'll go first. (laughs) Okay. Um... All right. Now I'm like, oh, wait, I'm actually going first. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Sorry, Peter. (laughs) I do have notes ready. Okay, so... um,